Good morning. morning. We have the words from Pastor Bolkin to be delivered to you, and uh, his style can't be reproduced, but his words will be given. We begin with a a brief introduction. Uh, First, everybody, everywhere, expends a lot of effort in search of joy. Amazon Books or your favorite library have countless books on joy. Self-help books alone make a killing on the subject of joy. In addition, there are innumerable podcasts on joy. People seek joy with everything they have. People desperately want and need joy in their lives. Many individuals, including Christians, equate joy with happiness. But as you can tell from the etymology of the word happiness, happiness depends on what happens. If good things happen, we're happy. If troubling or difficult things happen, we are not happy. That is exceedingly superficial, and true joy is much deeper than that. Withstanding ill winds without faltering or failing is joy. Some Christians have used the acronym J-O-Y to claim joy arrives when we put Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. I hope you recognize that this is just another form of your doing. That is, it is law, and the law always and only produces temporary results. Let's dive into our gospel reading, John 16, and find the real source and strength of lasting and enduring joy. First, as to a woman giving birth, Jesus uses the illustration of childbirth to reveal the nature of joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain, but when she gives birth to her child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Two questions for mothers here today. One, is childbirth painful? I think we know the answer to that. Two, is the pain of childbirth worth the joy of having a child? Many husbands have been with their wives when they gave birth and can attest to the fact that childbirth is painful. But the joy of having a child overwhelms and, to a degree, abrogates the pain. What about the disciples and their experience? Jesus correlates this to his impending arrest, trial, torture, and crucifixion. As he spoke, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and mourn, you will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. You have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one is going to take away your joy from you. Put yourself in the place of the 11 disciples. Is Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday painful? Is the pain of Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday worth the joy of Easter. Now for a tough question. Can pain 
the pain of childbirth, the pain of Jesus' arrest and crucifixion, be made tolerable because of consequent joy? Okay, a tougher question. Can we be joyful in pain if pain's purpose is joy? The toughest question of all, is pain necessary if we are to have real joy? We often ignore the basic truth of joy. Pain and joy always run together. Lewis Smedes, a Baptist preacher who died in 2002, says something most insightful. He says, if our joy is honest joy, it must somehow be congruous with human tragedy. This is the test of joy's integrity. Is it compatible with pain? Only the heart that hurts has a right to joy. What? What I'm trying to say is that you cannot be communicated, that joy cannot be communicated in words or in a sermon. I can tell you of the experience of others and my own experience, but you will never learn or be convinced of it unless you experience it for yourself. Life is the preacher and the teacher. Tim Hansel, the author of You Gotta Keep Dancing, who died in 2009, lived with constant pain. He boogered up his back in a mountain climbing accident. Listen to what he says. I'm learning joy the hard way. Good education, but the tuition is high. This disillusionment with our own abilities is perhaps one of the most important things that can ever happen to us. The process can be terrifying and it is very painful. Malcolm Muggeridge, a well-known journalist and satirist who died in 1990, became a Christian late in life, and he comments, I can say with complete truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world, everything that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence, has been through affliction and not through happiness. Childbirth has a purpose. Jesus' suffering and death has a purpose. Affliction and suffering have a purpose. I'm going to suggest that the pain in our lives has a purpose. Can't you see? Great pain, but a baby is born. Real suffering and death, but forgiveness and life are gained. In my own life, my times of greatest pain have also been those I have learned where I've learned the most about myself and my deep need for God's love, acceptance, and forgiveness. In the September 14th prayer service in the National Cathedral, President George Bush said this just three days after 9-11. He said, adversity introduces us to ourselves. It also introduces me to my continual need for God's love and forgiveness and acceptance in Christ in my life. And I, that's 
Those are the words of, of Pastor Bolkin, but I believe them as well. Thus, Paul Sailhammer, a Lutheran pastor who died last year, said, Joy is the deep-settled confidence that God is in control of every area of my life. The opposite of joy is not sorrow, it is unbelief. Joy is faith that God knows what he is doing, and if it takes pain to get me to where God wants me to be, okay. For when I am down to nothing, God is most certainly up to something. One final thought. Peter uses the illumination of gold being purified in our epistle reading in 1 Peter. Do you know how you can tell when gold is truly pure? You can see your face reflected in it. One Christian writer says, we can tell when God's purifying work is accomplishing its intended goal, when, when people can see Jesus' face in us. Amen.